Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing very well, Sarah. Feels great to be back on with you and still still try to uh, you know, get over the post-Oscars uh, super here. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just been like a weird fog where, I mean, Sunday... I watched Bohemian Rhapsody in preparation oh, okay. for the Oscars. Okay. I, I I still don't think it was worth the money, um, but I'm just going through a weird phase right now. I don't I can't really explain it, and and so and then I actually streamed the Oscars, so I was like able oh. to watch everything. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, I um I literally got YouTube t- TV and then canceled my subscription the very next day. Like, <laughs> I don't need it anymore. The thing, the, yeah, the, the things we do for our show. <laughs> yeah, the things. Well, I just wanted to get the full experience. You yeah. know, I'm yeah. I'm I'm very familiar with watching a lot of these things via Twitter, and yes, you get to know the headlines and everything, but they're still streaming it was like, oh, yeah, this is what it's like. And for all intents and purposes, I mean, we all know this, that the Oscars clearly work better without a host. Yes, yes, that, yeah, that was proven a hundred times over Sunday night. Yeah, and what really surprised me was something that my dad even also said was that, and watching those commercials were really good. Like they were Super Bowl quality commercials. And in comparison to this year's Super Bowl, Oscars yeah. had better commercials than they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. I, 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 I did not watch the entire show. I missed uh, the probably the first hour or so, but I did. Uh, I did manage to catch the, the the last, I guess, hour and a half. And um, definitely agree. Go the route of of no host. I think. Uh, the focus this year was on the show instead of whatever antics the host did. Exactly. And uh, and there was plenty plenty to talk about with uh, this year's Oscars. So. Yeah, it was it was an interesting bag because I felt like pretty much everybody got something, and mm-hmm. then some people got more. And I mean, Black Panther won three awards, which is great. Yeah. A lot of awards I expected it to win, yeah. so I didn't really see any big surprises. I mean, the one surprise was probably the score. However, when they were playing all of the scores, as soon as Black Panther came on, I was like, "Oh yeah, that, they're oh, gonna yeah. win." They're gonna win. <laughs> that was that was epic score. <laughs> well, it's just those freaking drums. Like yeah. they start, and you're like, "Oh yeah," like like there's something about a score where you can instantly recognize it. Like if I was walking in a mall and I went into an elevator and that was playing, I would be like Black Panther done. Like that, that's what makes a good score yeah. has nothing to do with the ocean for people who watch the show. They would understand that joke. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> obviously I, that would just went true way over my head, but uh, you know, Hey, that's all good. <laughs> Don't watch these things. Well, <laughs> Um, if you start watching Star Trek Discovery, I'll I'll try one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Something else I noticed is um, in ta- in talking about 
everything that occurred up to this Oscar ceremony, there was a lot of discussion about, okay, well, clearly they don't want to run long. So they tried to have some of the awards cut, um, not be presented during the live show and instead over a commercial break. And, and it was very entertaining watching this broadcast and, some of the people I would not mind have them not have it there like five minutes because all they did was read off names. And then you have other award winners who come up and say things like a period should end a sentence, not a, a girl's education. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like, I mean that acceptance speech killed me because I'm just watching it. And it's more about like, not only I believe in what I just spent like a year or more focusing on so much that I'm going to have five minutes to talk to millions of people and I'm going to reiterate everything in my little short film. I thought that was so entertaining and so interesting and such a good use of those times. While other people, it's just like, thank you. This person, this person, and they're like, yeah, yeah we get it. Yeah, the, the laundry list. Yeah, I, I, I really, I really hate the laundry list of of um, when your people re- receive these awards. I mean, I, I understand you have to, you have to do acknowledge people, and uh, you know, but when it just, you know, when it gets to the, the the newspaper guy for delivering my paper every single morning, then it, okay. You know, don't, don't you have a cause or something you want to like, you know, trumpet or or, or something to be more right. interesting? Yeah, but mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, but I, I, you know, one of the, uh, I think most honest reactions of the night was was clearly Olivia, Olivia Coleman. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, when she uh, when she won Best Actress, um, and uh, her her reaction was just like, well, first off, it was like, damn. Glenn Close denied again. It's like what the seventh time. <laughs> I mean, it's just to the point now where it's just like, all right, they just—it's sort of like you know, Susan Lucci with the daytime Emmys. It's just like, okay, we're just doing this to have just to mess with you or something because I mean, she's put—you know—either that or they're going to have to do like they did with Spike Lee, give her just a—you know—body of work award or something before she gets the actual actual trophy but i digress from from olivia's uh speech i mean that was just so so genuine her mm-hmm. her her reaction and uh was you know one of the more entertaining moments of the night for sure yeah i mean i i i wish she had kept the line she used at the during her golden globe speech because she referred to emma stone and rachel weiss as her bitches Mm-hmm. And I think if she had just added that in, I would have been like really proud. But and and I, I want to talk about the Glenn Close thing, too. I think it's I think that um, for some reason, I always have this instinct that nine times out of ten, the Oscars, they like to make you think, you know, exactly who's going to win which awards. And then one of those actor awards is going to someone you would least expect it. Mm-hmm. And, and for some reason they chose Glenn Close, which let's, let's not, this has, I, I think it's more astonishing that Olivia Coleman won, not because it's Glenn Close, like seventh, seventh time being nominated, but because she's won every single award up until that point. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. 
where you're just like, wait a second. Now, Rami having it taken from him, I can maybe understand that. But why? How did this occur? Like, what happened here? So it was it just came out of nowhere. And maybe it had to do with they judged the acceptance speeches at the Golden Globes because Olivia killed that one as well. I don't know. But the one moment that I always think about when looking back at that moment for her is when she refers to her husband and she teases him. Yeah. She teases him about crying and she's like, I'm not going to cry. And then she's tearing up and it's just like, that's, that's beautiful. And, and it stands out because it's so genuine and it's very, it's a very similar speech to what Rami Malik did. The only difference though is that Rami didn't have as much genuineness because it wasn't as much of a surprise as it was for Olivia. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I, I feel like he got stuck because I'm, I'm like, Rami, come on, you're, you're good at this. Where, where you can, you can do this. It's pretty obvious what he's saying, but he figured it out by the end of it. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, his, his speech definitely stood out to me as far as, when he talked about being a first generation American, you know, kid from Egypt can do this. And, and now that you have seen Bohemian Rhapsody, um, one of the flaws I think that that film had was it really didn't get into, you know, the motivations for why Freddie was so flamboyant and, um, was such a larger than life character, um, that we, that we grew to know. Um, I mean, it touched, it clearly showed all those things, but it didn't really get into the depth of it. And so I think Rami's speech opportunity that was missed in the film as far as just talking about how you can, you know, look, this, this kid, this immigrant came to a new place and, you know, has achieved, you know, the highest award in, in their profession. So, and, and it can't happen. Uh, so I thought that, you know, his speech was, was very, very, you know, poignant in that way. Even mm-hmm. though, even though it was pretty much a fait complete as far as him winning. I mean, if it, I don't know, if, if he had not won, uh, best actor, I mean, I think, you know, some, you know, legitimate, um, argument could have been made for Christian Bell and, 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 uh, I think as far as the other, I mean, I think he was the other serious contender, but, um, yeah, I think folks would have just the, the, the pitchforks would have been out that night, even more so than Chadwick Boseman's awesome like look when the Green Book won Best Picture. <laughs> um, so so I I feel like really Rami Mal- Malik won because he of the same reason why he got the Emmy after Mr. Robot season mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. He can act without any line of dialogue. You know exactly yeah. what's going on. He doesn't need dialogue to convey emotion, and he does that very well. Mm-hmm. In fact, I enjoyed his performance when he was not talking because he does not sound no. <laughs> like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> and it drove me crazy, <laughs> yeah. especially when the music and, like, the Live Aid performance. My dad, he, he was like, oh, yeah, that scene gave me chills at the end, and I'm like, did not for me because yeah. all I could all I could hear was like they clearly are dubbing, especially when they do they did the AO the classic AO and at yeah. the end he has that all right and 
you're just like, yeah, Rami doesn't say that. That's clearly dubbed because it does not sound like any other part in the movie. And so that kind of, that kind of bothers me. I also felt like the movie as a whole won far too many awards than I think it deserved, if I'm being honest. Yeah. yeah. Because like between the editing, I think it got sound mixing. I don't, I don't know all of the words, but it just, it felt like to me it got to the point when they're like, we don't have a host for the show, but we do have this movie called Bohemian Rhapsody with great music. And so we're just going to take any chance we can to entertain the audience by playing Queen music. Yeah, so we're yeah. going to give them all of these awards. <laughs> <laughs> just those those little things kind of bothered me. I I mean, I feel like if that wasn't a motivation, maybe some other people some other movies would have like suddenly got some some highlight, but you know, I I didn't see majority of these movies, so I don't really know if they were deserving or not, or if I'm yeah. just being too nitpicky about it. Yeah, I I didn't see them either, uh, uh, and um, you know, and I, and I know obviously we can't talk about the Oscars without you know mentioning Green Book and and the the uh, fallout from from it winning. Um, so I I can't have a I haven't seen the movie so I I can't uh, speak to its artistic merit or feels or anything about it but uh, I can speak for to it from understanding the issues around it I mean it, it was you know, both Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody both had controversy surrounding them uh, both. Bohemian Rhapsody, of course, all the issues of Brian Singer, and it was just, it was almost a show in of itself to see how, when the film did win an award, how folks took, oh, we're going to talk about the weather, we're going to talk about this and that and the other, without ever bringing up Brian Singer's name from his, um, yep. yeah, so there's that. And then, you know, and then, you know, I, I look at Green Book and it, and, you know, during the, Press junket tour, you know, part of the Oscar process and all the award during the award season. You know, the news came out about Peter Farrelly having issues of you know decent exposure on the set, but somehow it just got completely like swept under the rug, uh, which was which was very inter- interesting to me that uh, in, in this era where th- these things usually bring down uh, individuals, he managed to somehow escape it. I don't know if it's because these, they just, the, the Ferrelli brothers are just so quirky that they just get a pass or, or what. But then, um, the other thing that really stood out to me with, at least with Green Book was, at least when it won Best Picture, is that, um, two things. One, they didn't mention Don Shirley at all. And, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, Spike is justified, in my opinion, for, for, for walking out, if, or even though he was stopped from doing so, but, you know, this film was, you know, and just growing up in the South and, you know, had the opportunity to uh, actually see a, an actual physical copy of a green book at the uh, Civil Rights Museum here in North Carolina at the, mm-hmm. in Greensboro. So, you know, very familiar with what that, what that book is actually all about um, as far as, you know, safe places for African-Americans to travel during the Jim Crow era. And so, so for me, you know, not having seen, Obviously, I haven't seen the movie or whatever, but from everything I've heard about it, read about it and stuff, it, it definitely – it sounds like a very sanitized version of life during the Jim Crow era. Um, and so, 
you know, so there's that piece. And then, um, you know, like Bohemian Rhapsody, the Ferrellis, you know, the issues with behind the scenes stuff. It's just interesting that, you know, the one film that they were trying to avoid giving so much spotlight to, they still, they ended up doing it, uh, with Green Book. And the other thing that was very interesting to me was when Ferrelli at the end of his, at the end of the best picture speech was wanted to give a shout out to Carrie Fisher, which was like, and in that moment, the audience was kind of like, it was like that weird, like awkward silence for a moment in the audience. Like, how do we react to this? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. so, so those were some of the things that kind of stood out to, with, to me at the end of the end of the show there. Yeah. Um, I honestly didn't watch that speech. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't miss anything. <laughs> so you're going and re- making all these references. I'm like, what happened? What is he referring to? Um, however, I'm aware about the controversy and something to keep in mind is that there are several Oscar Best Picture winners where as soon as they win, they're suddenly like, oh, now there's this big controversy, yeah. that, which I always find interesting. Because leading up to it, you know, maybe there were a few whispers here and there, but why would a movie have such momentum going into the ceremony at all um, if there was really a lot of controversy? I mean, that's why my, that's why I told my dad, I'm like, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody has no chance of winning. And he's like, why? And I'm like, Brian Singer. <laughs> that's why. Because there's a lot of crap, and nobody thanks him for anything. Rami didn't thank him at all in his his speeches because nobody wants anything to do with him. However, the movie was good enough this year in comparison to everything else to still have to get what it it supposedly observed. So I think that's something also just to keep in mind that these kind of conversations – it's not anything new. There yeah. are several, like I always think about Crash. I loved the movie Crash, but I can also understand how in retrospect, suddenly it's like, oh yeah, that's a stupid cliche movie and it should have never been made and it's really undeserving. But you know, at the time it was fresh and it was different mm-hmm. and for some reason it touched people. But you know, I, I, I can't really say and I think it's interesting that it's always about, okay, should, Bohemian Rhapsody win or should Green Book win? You know, there's like six other nominees and yeah. nobody wants to bring them up. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's interesting because I thought honestly, I, I just assumed Roma was going to 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 win, and and um, but I think a lot of it too just goes into you know the the publicity and how the um you know the production companies and stuff market these films to um. To the Oscar voters, because I mean, it is, you know, it's basically, you know, each voter is, uh, is within their own category. So it's not like it's, you know, it's not like the cinematographers are also voting on best picture. It's just people within their own little orbit. So of course, you know, there's the, there's still that staleness factor that, um, you know, Black Panther had to overcome. Um, I think, you know, obviously they did, they find it Spike Lee right by, uh, you know, with the best uh, screenplay with, with, uh, Black Clansman. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, um, and, and his reaction was just, <laughs> the climbing Samuel L. <laughs> was. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, the, the, the Oscars could have ended and I would yeah. have been satisfied yeah. after that moment, especially yeah, yeah. because prior to even doing 
what he came out to do, he made a mention about the Knicks winning and gave his friend a shout out. Like, I just reinforces that moment so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, yeah, so I think this year's show, you know, again, to get back to our original point as far as like the lack of a host, I think, you know, it, it has allowed for these moments that we're talking about this evening. And we even talked about Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Yes, uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a star board, stars born could have won if they had kissed. Let's just be honest. If they had come to the ceremony as a couple, that movie would have won. <laughs> No, I am um, that that performance like I I was I was so mad at the Oscars all night because I kept teasing it and they're sitting in the front row with Bradley's girlfriend right in the middle and I'm just I'm just waiting for it and then they did it and they did it in the best way. Oh yeah. That was a beautiful setup. Just that whole moment it was live it felt real. Lady Gaga can just do no wrong at these days. And um and I liked it. It is sad though that um that movie is really Bradley Cooper's baby, yet he still didn't get a single award from the night. No, not a, not not a, not a one. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the most frustrating thing because watching that movie, I could see from for him how much work. And I'm not saying Lady Gaga didn't do any work on it. No, right. no, no. Yeah. I'm just saying that. At the end of the day, that's his movie. She was a part of it, and it wouldn't be what it was without her, of course. But it still it kind of is um, rubs some salt in that wound to know that he doesn't walk away with the trophy either. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it does. Because he, he uh, like you said, that was truly a, a passion project in, in more ways than one. And uh, it is unfortunate that he did, you know, he was not recognized and. Um, you know, and also just the fact that, well, this man's really talented. Because, I mean, that was him singing, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and so I think it's just, you know, we don't appreciate um, the the range that's, that some of some of our performing artists and uh, actors have to be able to pull these types of things off. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he's going to go out and make another one, deliver a better performance, and mm-hmm. maybe it will be a Bradley Cooper year. Because um, he ain't going anywhere, anywhere no, anytime nope. soon, that's for sure. Definitely not. Definitely not. But. So, all right. So, so speaking of how we're having a weird week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get home from work, and then all of a sudden, Will is DMing me because apparently Deadly Class wants wants us to DM them, and they have a guest. Well, you know what? You know what I found out. They don't deliver to P.O. boxes, so I oh. will not get a gift while you will. I'll share it with you. I don't even know what it is. It's going to be a dead body, really. <laughs> that, right? It could be. It could be Chico's head. <laughs> man, man, it's okay. I mean, I, I think part of the reason is because I was tempted to tell them. I haven't been nearly as impressed in the last few episodes as I was with the first few episodes of Deadly Class. If I'm being honest, it has nothing to do with Marcus and Saya not being together. No, I just I felt like for some reason these last few up two episodes specifically felt like mini adventures mm. where we were on a path and it was building and it built a little bit more with this last one and Maria and her her issues. But I still um I felt like we took a weird detour. Mm. 
to Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas. Any yeah. thoughts? <laughs> you going to help me out at all, mister? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, episode five, the, it, it, it was a weird journey. Uh, I, you know, it took me a couple of, it took me a couple of viewings to like, to, to finish it. Um, this based all, it, you know, I guess it was the first time that they have, but they've gone out of, of King's Dominion, uh, in prior episodes, but this time they were, you know, they were road tripping like spring break. So, um, the, you know, Marcus getting high scenes were, you know, getting the bad acid. You know, they, they, it was funny. It was a mm-hmm. different change of pace. Uh, from what we've dealt with up to that point. Um, and, you know, I feel like that was almost like two episodes within, within one hour because you had, you had the stuff going on in Vegas and then on the back end, you did have, um, the, the, the events that, that led to, uh, led to Chico, um, being eliminated. So, um, He's gone. What is going on? His head is still around. I don't get it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, Chester has some things. You know, he, Chester, the body collector, uh, had some uh, had some thoughts about that. But it, yeah, so it was. I mean, I think when you watch the two epi- the episode five and you watch episode six, especially the the the, the links that everyone is. Uh, the, the impacts from what happened that night uh, and they're trying to hide it and you know different people have different reactions like Willie in the comic book shop when he and Marcus and he like is like you know ripping on you know this you know nice young lady's trying to like make nice and flirt with him about stuff he just goes on this like tirade about Superman being a punk and Lex Luthor da 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 and everything I think that was actually him going back to the evening where he basically didn't have the intestinal fortitude to take out Chico. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, in earlier episodes, again, we learned that Willie is just a lot of talk, but no action. Um, and so I think, I think when you watch the two episodes back to back, they they work better as a cohesive unit instead of a, instead of the standalone one-offs like the the, the Vegas adventure seemed to be. No, that that actually is a really good way to view it because I I completely agree. Where I felt like the Vegas adventure was two hours in one episode, as you put it, and then the the um, Sigmana episode about Maria and everything, the consequences for what occurred in Vegas is really part two of that episode in the third hour. And and Maria, it is really interesting to fully understand because she ends up killing Chico, kinda. Um, but how that how she deals with that grief and it's it ex it explodes considering she already has a mental condition of being bipolar. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is all about vengeance. I mean, she's wanted this for so long. You see 
they do their um, now traditional flashback of showing the characters how they get to the school and what happens. And you understand why she's wanted this, why she needed to do that and why it really did have to be her. Mm -hmm. It couldn't have been anybody else because it wouldn't have been the same. No. Um, and yet she still is kind of heartbroken over it and she's still using Marcus in this way to, um, to fix what has now, is now really broken within her and what Chico broke all those years ago. So I, I think, I think it, I, I mean, I liked episode six a lot better than I liked episode yeah. five. Um, I, I, it's not that I, didn't like um, some of the experimental things that they were doing. It just, it didn't click with me and it didn't make, I didn't feel as much momentum. I mean, last week when we've had previous talks about deadly class or other shows that are similar, we talked a lot about momentum and I didn't feel that in episode five and I started feeling it, especially towards the end. And what I also liked is we're back in the school. There's yeah. all of this stuff going on with the teachers. Yes. Um, Saya is not only is her boy with another girl right now, but she's also having her valid Victorian status being kind of taken away from her because Master Gao, who we find out is, um, Master Lin's Master sister. Lin's sister. Yeah. Is, is coming in and being like, you guys are doing it all wrong. This isn't, this isn't what we're supposed to be training or teaching. And, and bad people are starting to rise to the top, I guess. Yeah. It's, um, I, I know, I know it is really, you know, earlier in the series, we saw Master Lynn and, uh, Henry, Henry Rollins is the character. I can't remember the professor's name. The, um, you know, they had their, uh, I guess interesting approaches as far as teaching and philosophy as far as the mission of the school. Now we, now we see it with Master Lin and, uh, Master Gao and her, she is like, no matter what the costs are, you must accomplish the mission, whether it is at the expense of your teammate, your classmate, whatever. Like when they had the, when they were battling the ninjas in the garden, um, it was, it was clear that, um, when, uh, what's her name tripped Saya, Master Gal was like, Oh, you know, well, you know, that's just what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Master Lin would have been more like, Whoa, you know, we do not. There's 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 a order and a a code that we we do when we assassin when we perform these assassinations. They're not just you know random acts that um, you know the ends justify the means. However, we get you know, how to get the job done. It um it's to to go back to Will's favorite show, Daredevil. It's like that conversation in season two, Will's favorite season of any show of yeah. Daredevil, uh, where the Punisher and uh, Daredevil. <laughs> no, but they, they have that conversation. Both, mm. both are vigilantes. Uh, one has a moral code to not kill anyone. One 
det- has determined that his moral code is I'm going to kill anyone who does something wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, like if I'm, I'm going after the bad guys, I'm going to remove them. And it's a very similar conflict. Now we're not talking about necessarily that, that idea that can you be a hero and still kill the bad guys? Is that the only way? Is justice really sending them away to prison just so they break out? I don't know. Um, but in this case, we're talking about, okay, assassins. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you training people just to do bidding for powerful, evil individuals? Or are you training them to actually rid the world of people who who would cause a lot of turmoil or who would lead to a lot of suffering of others. What, what is the purpose? And, and, and maybe that's what I was missing from that Vegas episode. You know, that, mm-hmm. that idea that now that we're in this school, what is the point? Right. Right. Why is Marcus here now? What is, what is the overall objective? Why was he selected, especially considering it's not because he comes from a family of power and wealth. No, so, no. So what is what are they really intending to do with these kids? Yeah, yeah. It don't, he doesn't come from power and wealth, and, and actually he, you know, he's he comes to that school basically with a stolen reputation. So, mm-hmm. which, yeah. uh, which you know, at the end of episode six, the day of reckoning is is fastly is, is quickly coming upon him. That people around some, you know, obviously Willie Willie knows, and you know, some folks may suspect that, but. You know, Chester is like, hey, I can. Tr- he is that wild card that's going to get tossed into the situation, and you know the approach of Master Gal versus Master Lynn. Yeah, I think it's sort of a great backdrop for that to see how Marcus is going to deal with Chester mm-hmm. and, and his threats as far as coming to to expose not only him but also the fact that Maria uh, murdered Chico. Yeah, yeah. And and I love how you reminded me that he has a stolen reputation because that's another thing and that's what separates this story from what we referred to it as like another version of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> deadly deadly acts. Yeah. Um because with Harry, he comes to Hogwarts and everybody else knows who he is. Mm-hmm. There's a reputation just from his name and his scar alone of who, how powerful he is. And he has to figure that out of what that means. In this case, Marcus is more like, I finally have a home. I finally have people. But everybody thinks I'm someone I'm not. Yeah. And there's this lie. And but everything I have hinges on that lie. And so um, it's a really interesting twist on on what we refer to as legacy and um, people trying to or think that they know someone. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but moving on to Doom Patrol. Yes. Yes. Episode I don't even know two. how to explain this episode. <laughs> Because all I want to be like is there was an albino donkey. Uh, Albino Jack. Yeah. (laughs) Just go down the go down the the jackass's mouth and you'll be fine. You know that's that's basically. uh, No, I I'm I'm liking Doom Patrol. It's uh it's 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 quirky in the sense that I think you know some of our some of our friends uh, enjoy Legends of Tomorrow and. 
it it has that kind of quirkiness, self aware self awareness, especially with the introduction of Cyborg when when uh, Robot Man says, you know, oh, you know, intro to the the, the um, person that uh, nobody asked to be here, you know, as far as Cyborg, you know, it's like. You know, Cyborg, we've seen him in Justice League, we've seen him now in Teen Titans, and he should have been on Titans, but now we're going to pull him to show with a bunch of misfits. But what I liked about how they rolled him, how they introduced his character, uh, they did it in a way that he's already an established crime fighter. You know, the rest of the, the Doom Patrol or the Donkey Patrol, <laughs> that's this episode, <laughs> yeah, it's called... Uh, they're, they're still finding themselves as far as whether or not they're going to become the quote, you know, superheroes and, and team up. And I'm hoping that they don't spend too much time on this, the whole team building thing. Cause we've, we've been through that with Titans and we've been through that with so many other things before. Uh, I'm just hoping that whatever, um, Mr. Nobody and his battle with the chief, whatever that is, Starts to really take center stage, and we're not spending, you know, half the season spending time, you know, forming a superhero team because let's just let's that's been done before, and I think these characters here uh, in the show so far are 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 quirky and, and and interesting enough that we don't need to waste time doing that. So I really liked how this episode built off of the pilot. Because the pilot, all of a sudden, it wasn't that suddenly this is a team. We are on a mission. It was more like we just fucked this town up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's going on. And I felt like this episode really just, okay, so that happened. Now what? And it really it allowed time to realize who these people have been for so long. Their natural reaction is to be like, okay, obviously we are the worst people on the planet. We need to get out of here before anybody else is hurt. All of those moments with Negative Man and Alaskan Girl were really good. I especially like Negative Man. Yeah, I like um, that too. Because I figured out his name. (laughs) (laughs) Stay with me now. Because he's so negative about everything. He really (laughs) (laughs) It's more than than a moniker. (laughs) The moment that clicked, I'm like, I like you. (laughs) I really do. And I just just like he had a really good arc in this episode. And I especially love the final moment between him and this this force that is inside of him that saved them all from Mr. Nobody. Um, But he still struggles with. Because and and when he's removing all the bandages and he sees who he really is, it, it it does. It's trying to explore that idea that no no no, it, it's not that I'm a misfit. I'm clearly a monster, mm-hmm. and it's not that I I don't understand that I can actually help people, but. I also just don't want to be here anymore. Like, I feel like if this show really ever wanted to get dark, they could really go down that dark path and talking about suicide 
because both him and Elastigirl, I think, are prime for that in the yeah. sense that, and 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 we kind of seen it before. I mean, Hulk, um, and a lot of the Hulk stories, they bring up how, well, I can't kill myself. The other yeah. man won't let me. He won't let me. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I think this show has potential to even go there for an episode if they really do and to to tap into that. Um, and, and you even feel it with Mr. Robot Man a little bit because he, he, first he didn't have a family and he felt so awful about that and he's the only survivor. Now he realizes his daughter is still out there. Yet he's still a monster. Like, and, and how do you, even though you want to think that you can be there, you're not the same person, literally. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, you know. Oh, and, and of, last but not least. Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, but to pick up your point on family, uh, especially Mr. Robot Man, uh, he's trying to build a, a new family, though, uh, with Crazy mm-hmm. Jane. Mm-hmm. And going into the underground to. Oh, underground. Yeah. And where she. All her disparate personalities are uh, are stored, and that was a, you know that 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 scene where he's you know going through those tapes and and see trying to learn more about her was a very it was a very moving moment in the sense that to your point about how what he's lost mm-hmm. and the fact that he's searching for his thought his his daughter who he thought was dead according to the chief, but turns out she's somewhere out there and and it was an opportunity for him to all right let me make things right for for crazy jane who's like gotten swallowed you know swallowed up in this farting donkey um uh to be to, to find her and and to, and to, and to hopefully uh not only find her as far as saving her out of the donkey in that other realm but also uh, help maybe understand what, you know, yeah, cause if I recall, there was like a part if in, in this underground with her, with her character, um, which was very, very, very dangerous if with that mm-hmm. one particular personality. And so, uh, was in it Abigail? Yes. Yeah. I think it was. I think it was. And so, uh, I thought it was very important that they, they show that they had that, that, that sequence to again show the humanity that is still there with Mr. Robot Man. Yeah, I, I mean, I the, what this show does that I think other shows lack, especially in the sense as the team element is, they do really good pairings. Mm-hmm. You should have seen me in that first five minutes when Crazy Jane gets swallowed up by the donkey. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> How dare you remove my favorite character? Yeah. And, and, but, but they had to because they had to introduce Cyborg and allow a new dynamic. And because Cyborg really does play off of Robot Man, not in that same father daughter sense, but more right. of older brother, younger mm-hmm. brother. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me prove I'm better than you competition. Yeah. So. And and yet they still had very similar dynamics with with Crazy Jane and 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 that all worked really really well. I mean you got to sometimes take out a character to introduce a new one and and refresh the audience who 
because it gets tiring seeing the same dynamics again and again. I really want an episode with Mr. Um, with Negative Man and Cliff, though. I want to yeah. see that dynamic play out more. I think they could could have some good chemistry together as well. Um, but but I I completely agree. I just I I like I like where it's going. I don't yeah. view this as another let's spend five episodes building a team. I'm I like w- how they're focusing. They're allowing for the individual moments as much as we're still on a mission to find chief. It's a common goal. It's a simple goal. Um, and, and we're just, everybody else is just along for the ride. And if we have to fit, find out where these characters came from to get there, then so be it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think it's, um, it's, I haven't watched young, uh, justice outsiders on the DC app yet, but, you know, comparing the show to Titans, you know, one of the things complaints we had about Titans in, in particular was how it just jumped all over the place narratively. Um, but it was still young, but it seems that this show's not going to be doing that. Yeah, so far it's two two for zero. So yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I think there's a lot. There's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I like how you're like, one of the complaints, that was my major that was complaint. Major I thought it was like, yeah. huge yeah. complaints. So yeah, that, annoying. Well, no, the other one was just, you know, like, you weren't a big fan of uh, Raven, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of complaints. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm a nitpicker. I'm yeah. a nitpicker. Oh, that's, speaking, that's yeah. speaking of nitpicks, so, yeah. The Flash. Yes, The Flash. You you got some things to talk about. I don't know if they're complaints. I'll be honest with you, Will. I'm not keeping up on the Flash news, but I feel like you got a soapbox that you need to get some stuff off of your chest. Yeah, just well, that's about well. It goes. We've we've talked about this before, and I don't want to belabor belabor a point because um, the issue with the spoilers with trailers and movies and set photos and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I guess over the weekend I was, you know, that there was someone, uh, took a photo from the set, um, with, uh, that spoiled the, the fact that when the, one of the future episodes, I guess when I go to 2049, uh, we'll see Godspeed and Godspeed for folks who do not read the flash comics. Uh, he was, uh, he's a, New speedster. He was introduced when DC uh, relaunched their uh, comic brand uh, in the Rebirth series. Gosh, gosh, been two, three years ago now. And so he was. His name's August Hart, and he was paired with Barry in the Crime Lab. And uh, due to a Speed Force storm in Central City, was was given powers and. Has a very tragic backstory, just it's very similar to Barry Allen, and you know, of course, embarks on crime fighting, and of course, in the process of doing that, uh, ends up becoming he and Barry split, and Godspeed becomes an evil speedster. Uh, this sort of thumbnail stretch. Check out check out the story though. Uh, Joshua uh, Williamson's doing an awesome job on the comic book uh, to learn more. But the the bigger point that I was kind of bummed about was just seeing the photo i'm like you're really i I was kind of hoping that you know the days of and this you know it's the risk of social media i know that i was just getting spoiled about stuff because you know now that we know that 
he's the character's coming. I am curious to see. Obviously, it seems that it looks like from the set photos that maybe this is potentially Nora's uh, Eobard, Thawne, Reverse Flash, enemy versus Barry's. Or it could be Barry's after he returns from being lost in the crisis. I don't know. But um, it'll be, uh, you know, always TV show always puts their own spin on these characters. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see you know, who, if they do indeed um, – keep him as August Hart or see somebody else and how he plays with Nora. Um, but, you know, as far as the show itself, I know it's been gone for a few weeks. I know we haven't talked about it as much, but um, I guess the only other thing is you know, I've just seen chatter. And I like to get your thoughts on this, just from the chatter with a lot of folks that I interact on with on, on, on Twitter, as far as other people who watch the flash, um, this notion of Barry being diminished. And I would just like to get your thoughts on, on that. Yeah, no problem. Um, and also I know you're very, very popular with the flash crowd. You don't have to rub it in every podcast. Well, I get no, it. No, no. Uh, I, they, they're, they're great. They're great. They're a great resource for like show <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I think, and yes, we haven't talked about the flash that month, month partly just because of scheduling. Um, it hasn't worked out to make it a very topical for us currently. Um, and, and I do feel like in the past, well, we have talked about the show. We've talked about how, um, this season, it's not feeling like they're using all of their characters. And I think specifically given that last episode, Barry was at the beginning and at the end, nowhere in between for about 40 minutes. Um, partly that is because we all know he got married. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he had some vacation to cash in on. And, and I also think that what the writers are probably struggling with is the exact complaint that a lot of viewers have had. When you get so many speedsters, suddenly Barry Allen isn't special. And yes, you have his daughter and by heritage and by legacy alone, that is a special, should be a special person and, and rival Barry. And it's cool to see him step into that mentor role for her. Um, but they also teased us with Eobard Thawne's return and how Eobard is also training her. And now you have Godspeed and suddenly you're like, okay, who isn't a speedster? Yeah. I, 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 Going into the first half of the season, I did not think that Barry Allen is being diminished. I'm not going to argue against that that's not occurring right now, um, given what the focus has been in the second half of the season. But I also, I mean, what, we're five episodes into the second half of the season? We've probably got another seven or so more. Yeah. 10 maybe i don't know i don't yeah, know I how think, to count yeah no no i think we will see i think and it's, it's i know it's part of the crazy cw scheduling but i think we're what 14 i think is where we left off 14 or 15 yeah, yeah. i mean the, the flash is and again the flash has also struggled with way too many characters they yeah. haven't figured out how to balance them all drive them all and and Arrow struggled with this too for a while, where there were a lot of complaints, and then they shipped Oliver off to prison, and it all worked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it it's 
Yeah, yeah, a fair, fair point. And I, yeah, I, I see where I think you're, you're right. And you know, getting, you know, just to close out the, the diminishing story, I think, um, yeah, obviously scheduling was part of that. I mean, it's happened twice, I think, this season where due to schedules, one was due to the, I guess, crossover filming, and then the other, uh, you know, his engagement and marriage, um, it required him to uh, yeah, not be on set as much. But um, I think narratively right now, and I, and I think it's, I think in defense of him not being the focal point right as much, I think it is the, the, the stories here recently focusing it more on Nora and Fawn are, are setting up for the, a, a larger heartbreak or larger arc that I think the, the back half of uh, 5B is going to take. Um, you know, there's so many, you know, obviously with Fawn uh, showing up being a mentor to, uh, to, to Nora is going to definitely when that, when Barry and Iris learn that and how, you know, there's definitely some great dramatic places that they can mine for the, the, the fallout from, from that. Uh, we still, you know, with, with Godspeed, one of the things that the character, uh, can do in the comics, which I don't know if they'll be able to do, if they'll transfer that over to television, is actually take Speedster's, uh, speed away. Uh, so, you know, he could have that role with, with, with Nora, um, and, and Barry, if he's, uh, whenever we, we see that. And I guess that's the one being the episode that Daniel Panabaker actually directed. Um, so, you know, we'll see what, what that happens, you know, in, in the future. Um, and, and also, um, I don't know, but that might not happen given that Cicada also has that same ability. So we'll see how they kind of deal with that. Uh, and there's still some outstanding things as far as it relates to Cicada. Um, uh, you know, that they really, that they really, uh, tapped into with, with Grace and showing that she may, and, and the doctor, Maybe the two driving forces behind this in, in Orleans, just basically the, 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 the vessel and vehicle that they use to, uh, take, you know, carry out their murderous ends to, to kill all the metas because of Gracie losing her parents to a meta. So, you know, there's that. And, um, yeah, and, and also, you know, the other overarching thing that I think could still happen is that Nora, you know, Marty McFly's herself and, and doesn't restore the timeline. I mean, given that she like changed history 53 times <laughs> and wow. calls it excess. Um, as we know from, from Barry and, and Barry was able to give his, do his Jay Garrick moment of, you know, with the cracked coffee cup. Um, the, you know, she, she is like season one and season end of season two, Barry, where he, created the flashpoint times on steroids so you know there's a lot of things that they can go where you know with that including her eventually erasing herself or causing the crisis to come sooner which i think obviously um you know that seems to be the trajectory that they're heading on for next season so yeah you know i i think the show has a lot of good places where it can go but i think you know as we talked about before it's just how they manage juggling all the characters and, and, uh, you know, now that Jesse L. Martin's back, um, how they integrate Joe back into the story because, 
you know, as we said before, Joe and, 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 uh, Cecile kind of just kind of, you know, plug in Cecile for Joe and, you know, things kind of didn't miss the beat there. Yeah, definitely. I tuned out about two minutes ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and also, who drops more spoilers now? Your timeline or everything you just went over? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I try to keep it fresh. I try to keep it fresh. I know. I know. I know. I rolled out a lot of stuff there, but it's um. You yeah. went full nerd. I mean, I, no one goes full nerd, and he went full nerd. I did. <laughs> I have, I, I have some I have references tonight. I have some very good references. Anyway. Yeah, I yeah I I haven't gone full nerd in a while, so I, thanks for indulging me for a bit. You're welcome. <laughs> um, why don't you tell where our listeners can indulge you at online? Yes, you can. You can uh, throw all your your nerdy theories and just want to geek out with me at Will M Polk. That's W I L L M P O L K. And you can find me at S J Belmont, S J B E L M O N T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>